0: Amen. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask Cheryl, in fact, to read to us from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, going to read uh, throughout the whole couple of weeks as I've been thinking about this preach. Uh, I've been thinking, oh, I'd love to read the whole chapter, a whole chapter, but we're just going to stick with Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and, uh, and she'll read to the end of the chapter.
1: I'm going to try and get through it today without crying. Okay, Ephesians 1 and verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Amen. 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 Okay,
0: so as we've mentioned, during the summer uh, we uh, did a, a mini-series really looking at some of the recent church movements that have influenced us as a church, that have been kind of in our root system really, our DNA as a local church. But as we start this new season, we very much want to focus on the church. What does God say? Through his word, on the church. What sort of church is God looking for? What matters to God in terms of the church? What's the purpose of the church? How important is church? What's our role in the church? There are Many, many questions we want to address as we go through this season. But the first few weeks we're going to start here in the book of Ephesians because really there's no better place to start. Some of the most profound things God says about the church is found here in Ephesians and I'd encourage you to read the letter of Ephesians Uh, just over this next month just read it you could read bits of it you could read the whole chunks of it you could read it with a friend you could read it uh, out loud it's good to read scripture out loud you could read it as part of small groups you could read it in prayer groups whatever setting I'd encourage you to read it let's bathe ourselves in it. Uh, You'll find later on in the letter you read the phrase being about washed with the water of his word and we need like all these truths in Ephesians to keep washing us, to make us clean, to help us to see things. More than ever we need God to speak to us about his church. Uh, And why that is, three very quick reasons. One is, we have an enemy who hates the church. It's his intention to destroy the church. He's, there's no neutral ground. He hates it. We, we are in a battle. But secondly, we've lived through times and with pandemic restrictions, where church has taken a hit. You know, in all sorts of things, we couldn't meet together, physically, for almost two years. And yet the church is all about relationship. How is it big here? I was just talking to someone, literally, just before the meeting started, and said, you know, and that person was saying, it still feels a bit odd at times. We're, We're still learning to connect in some ways. But thirdly, we live in a culture... That is anti-Christian. And so many of the dominant values in the culture are anti-church. For example, individual, individualism, dominant in the culture. The church is all about being family. It's about being corporate. It's about being together. It's about relationship. Materialism in the culture Yet church is all about sacrificial giving. That's how the church gets built. Celebrity, key thing in our culture. Yet church is all about honouring others, laying down our lives. It's all about humility. And the list goes on. There have been many things that literally have undermined our understanding of church. And that's why... We need to be washed with the water of the world. We need to see it through God's sight and see how he sees it. The eyes of our heart can get dimmed. For those reasons, add to those as well our own personal experience. The reality is no church is perfect. And we can get hurt, we can get disappointed, we can get damaged, we have, sometimes we can have very high expectations of church, and then we get disappointed. And because of those, that can somehow, it, it can dull our vision, it can dull our hearts, it, 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 it stuff settles on our hearts it's almost like a, a, a film over your windscreen and that's why that prayer that Cheryl Redford is so important it starts with Paul praying after thanking God for the church in Ephesus or in that whole region he says I pray that God would open the eyes of your hearts that you would see the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We often think about our inheritance in him, but God has an inheritance in us. It's called the church. It's what he came for. And we need our eyes open to see it. So we're going to just land, particularly in those last uh, two verses of Ephesians 1. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. All things are under his feet. Jesus is king. He's triumphed. He's overcome. That worship was so, it was a, such a powerful moment in his worship where actually we're just declaring Jesus really is king. He's over all. He's victorious. He's won. The battle, the outcome of the battle is secure. He is the victorious one. An outright view of church must start with the right view of Jesus. If we don't get this one right, the whole thing goes skewy. We don't start viewing church by understanding ourselves. We don't even start church by kind of, as it were, having our own opinions of what we think about church. We start with Jesus being king. His Lord over all things and we must understand that when Paul wrote this letter and Ephesus it had been it it was a hub of idolatry it was a place where temples were built to worship other gods gods and goddesses it was a place that knew about powers principalities It's a place of the occult. When Paul wrote about powers, that this Jesus is over all powers, they had a context to that. They understood powers. We need to say, we need to understand that actually it's not just about then, but we have our own version of that. It may not be so blatant as it was in, in Ephesus, But we have our own temples. We have our own idols. We have our own things we worship. We have our own things that we put before God. Even good things at times put before God as being first can become an idol. And that's where this section, it so anchors us and it so reorientates us and it so opens our eyes no, Jesus is. Is king. He's overcome. He reigns. He is victorious. And why? He's appointed to be head over everything for the church. It's a powerful phrase. He's Lord over all for. The church. This is God's view of the church. Someone called Paul Bilema wrote a fabulous book years ago called Destined for the Throne. And in it, he says this. The church then, the called out body of redeemed mankind, turns out to be the central object, the goal. Not only of mundane history, but of all that God has been doing in all realms from all eternity. Jesus is the victorious head for the church and of the church. We could stop there, couldn't we? Okay, and because that leads us to worship. And that helps us with all the things that would seek to rob us or, or hinder us or, or distract us from a, a right view of the church, we need to see Jesus first, head, head of the church. But then we find it's his body, which in fact Paul goes on to, to speak about later in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, Uh, speaking the truth in love we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work the church is the body of Christ It's one of Paul's favourite descriptions of the church. And it's a powerful description. He is the head. We're his body. It means we're joined. We're joined to him. We're connected to the head. As sure as my head, I think this is true. I checked this morning. As sure as my head is connected to my body, please assure me it's still true. You may answer on Zoom as well. Just nod. The camera nod. Okay. As sure and as real and as intricate as that is. So we're connected to Jesus. It's remarkable. Paul kind of unpacks it throughout the whole letter. He used that phrase, in Christ. That's part of our intimate connection. We're in Christ. But he is in us. His spirit lives in us. And in fact, the description of the church ends with this stunning phrase, which is the church is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Repeat. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If there's a verse to memorize, memorize this. He lives in his church. He lives in it. It's not a kind of token body. It's not the church and the museum piece. It's not just, uh, it, no, it's his body. We have his life in us. We're connected to the head. We're joined to him, but also we're joined to one another. That's exciting as well, isn't it? Good. Three, three or four, and the rest of us being a very polite, not so sure about that one. Okay, we're as connected to one another. Mm. (laughs) Woohoo! Yeah, maybe on a good day. But we've got to get it. We need one another. We join to one another. We belong to one another. And one of our big lessons in being church... And growing in church and functioning in church is knowing where to look for the right things. Sometimes sometimes we live looking for approval and acceptance from other people when we should be looking to the head. Sometimes we can make demands on other people that actually only God can satisfy. We've got to look to the head. Here's our source of life. But then, alongside that, there are other times where it's through other people that God wants to work. And we can be praying, Lord, I want you to speak to me about this. I want you to speak to me. I want to hear direct from you. And it might be that a Meg talks to you. Or a Gene talks to you. Or a Dave talks to you. Or a Steve talks to you. And you say, no, I want God to speak to me. I want the head to speak to me. The head is speaking through his body. It's both. This is church. we have got to understand it, that we've got to grow in both. And we've got to discern. If we're always looking for the approval of others, we miss that security in the head. But sometimes God wants to use us to give approval to others. This is church. And it means relationships are actually at the heart of healthy church. At the beginning of chapter four, we we get this verse, which talks about be completely, Paul's writing about, okay, this is all you are in Christ, now work it out. And wait for it, this is a real seatbelt on moment. How do we work out the great high calling of us being God's glorious inheritance? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, not just relationships, but Christ-like relationships. Be completely humble and gentle. You see, how does the life of the head of the church get worked out through the church is by how we live our lives. And the head of the church said this of himself I am humble, I am gentle, and humble of heart. So we learn, we need to learn to be humble, gentle, guard our hearts from pride, forcefulness, that stuff. It can mean, so easily creep in, can't it? It can so easily battle with. Paul kind of gives a list of the stuff a bit later, like bitterness and rage and anger. Our attitude of heart is central to a healthy church. Be completely humble and gentle. And he it as sources, says, make every effort. See that? I've highlighted it. Make every effort. We have the unity of the spirit. But relationships need effort. Make every effort. Relationships mean work. It takes effort to forgive someone. It takes effort to reach out to someone. It takes effort to say things, to build others up. It it takes effort to process anger or hurt in the right way. All those things take effort. Make effort. We have the unity of spirit, but we need to work on it. We need to take effort. Relationships are at the heart. And not just form. That's why meetings, as important as they are, as we gather together to worship together, they're, they're, they're just part of what builds church. It's relationship. It's coffee together. It's what happens in small groups. It's connecting with people. It's reaching out with two people—that's healthy church, and it's that sort of church that God wants to export and reach out with. It's an expression and demonstration of God's love in action. And then we find each part matters. Back in that scripture in in uh, Ephesians four, it talks about it as each part does its work and each part matters each one of you you know very aware at certain times on a Sunday you know like right now it, it's me it's just my voice isn't it you know thank you for all being quiet at this moment I appreciate you could be completely having your own conversations but you're all appearing to listen if not you know I'm sure you all are but I'm the only voice speaking at the moment But actually, that's a very distorted view of church. Church is everything. It's what actually Gail was showing about, about Bridge Cafe. It's those who are going to be cooking bacon sandwich, you know, bacon rolls, to be recommended, by the way. And sausage rolls. And, 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 and those who sit and talk and talk to people. You see, we all become voices in the week. You're all going to be a voice to someone that I'll never speak to. Actually, my might. My kind of voice, my, my sphere of influence quite, is quite small this morning. It's just this. Some of you will have much bigger spheres of influence. Some of you are going to be at schools. Some of you are going to be at places of work. Some of you are going to be with neighbours. You're going to be the voices. Some of you are going to be the ears. Some of you are going to be the hands. Some of you are particularly designed to be in a situation that only you can be in, and you're there as part of the body of Christ. You see, parts of the body of Christ isn't just to give us some good meetings that seem to go okay. It's about Jesus alive in us, working through us, touching the communities that we're a part of. That's a body. That's a healthy body of Christ. Each one matters. I love it. The message version of uh, a similar text which comes from 1 Corinthians 12 I'll just read it to you but it's worth just listening to an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster can you imagine eye telling hand get lost, I don't need you or head telling foot you're fired, your job's been phased out as a matter of fact it works the other way the lower the part the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, but not without a stomach. If you had to choose, would you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? That's a brilliant message version. Each part matters, and the truth is some of the more hidden parts, obscure parts, are the more necessary parts. Got to understand that. A healthy church is where each part does its work. Now this coming weeks, we'll be unpacking that more, applying it more, but let's catch the heart of it here. And then finally, I just want to finish on that verse where we started. And God placed all things, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let the richness of those words kind of seep in let them wash you freshly and say there might be disappointment or hurt that you're thinking of right now about the church past church not this church maybe another church maybe this church maybe people in this room even now don't let that define your view of church Let the water of the word not just sprinkle a few thoughts at you, but let it jet wash you with quite a radical view of the church. It's the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you that the church is not human invention. And yet sometimes we bolt stuff on that is very much our invention or our ideas. But Father, we want to thank you that real, raw, authentic, basic, radical church it's totally your idea. It's your masterpiece. It's your planning. It's your purpose. It's your glorious inheritance. Forgive us, Lord, when we've made it anything less. Forgive us when we've lost our way and we've lost track. Lord, these are days of great significance for us to be living in. And these are days for the church to shine. These are days for the church to reflect the head. Follow him. To express his life. To reach out with his love. Their Lord come, meet with each of us Lord. Fill us again, refresh us again. Come, have your way amongst us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.